Welcome to the Renew Theology Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Bethany. We're two millennial women who enjoy discussing God's Word and how it applies to our lives. We believe in seeking to be rooted and established in the Word and allowing its truth to penetrate every area of our lives. Welcome to this week's episode of Renew Theology. Today we're going to be talking about a passage in scripture that discusses how to deal with others' transgressions or sins. And we're also going to be talking about bearing each other's burdens and what that looks like according to scripture. So our passage for today is Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 5. We're going to go, go ahead and read those for you. Galatians chapter 6 starting in verse 1 says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each person should examine his own work, and then he will have a reason for boasting in himself alone, and not in respect to someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load." Bethany, why do you think it's important to talk about this? Well, as a church community, we're called to carry each other's burdens. And we, for this, we need honest fellowship to occur. Um, it looks like living, living in community with friends that you can mutually count upon. And there's a good analogy here of burdens and backpacks when we're talking about carrying each other's burdens. We're going to get into that a little bit more later, but just keep that in mind. All right, let's dive into the first verse here. Galatians 6 verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So here we are speaking about somebody who has been found to be in sin. A transgression is a sin of some kind. And Paul here is instructing the Galatians on how they should deal with somebody who has been caught in a sin. It's important to point out here that the people who are doing the restoring are spiritual. And I think that this means that the people who are doing the restoring need to have a spiritual maturity about them. So you're not going to have somebody who's a new convert or somebody who is spiritually immature bring somebody who has committed a serious sin back into the fellowship because they're maturity is not in a place where they can do that um, with wisdom and discernment. And the goal here is to restore. I really like that word in this verse. It shows that there is a goal of wholeness and unity. And when you are restoring somebody, you're bringing them back to the original condition that they were in. So they were in right relationship with God. They sinned and broke that relationship, and now they are being restored back into that. So there's a wholeness there that is being brought back. And I think this is totally different. Um, We talked about judging a little while ago, but it's totally different from judgmental as in you're doing a sin, like you're condemned. And this is hard because you have to check your heart. Is my goal here in confronting this person's sin to make them feel bad or to point out their sin with a little bony stretchy finger like no you you want to restore them to both to the lord and to their fellowship like their church community including yourself yeah that's a great point because 
Paul also explains here how we are to restore them. And so he says that we are to restore them with a spirit of gentleness. So there is a compassion there and a mercy that we are treating them with when we restore them and when we are bringing them back into the fellowship of the church. And yet, Paul also gives a warning here. He reminds us that when we are restoring somebody, we need to be really careful that we are avoiding temptation ourselves. When we are dealing with somebody who has been caught in a sin or transgression of some kind, we are exposing ourselves to that same sin or temptation that they fell into. Just because we are in a position to restore them does not mean that we are immune to the same things they were dealing with. Another thing I'll just add here is, as Bethany mentioned, we our last episode was about judging. And that sort of ties into what we're talking about here. In that episode, we mentioned that in order to approach somebody and confront them on an issue in their life, there needs to be a strong enough relational bridge there so that they will accept the truth that you are speaking to them and understand that it's being done in love and is not being done in an accusatory way. And I will also add here that ignoring sin is not unity. It's lying. When we see somebody's issues and we just turn away from it and we don't deal with it, we are saying that that is okay and that is not true. So it is, in a sense, lying, and it's a false unity. Just because we aren't dealing with each other's issues and approaching each other doesn't mean that you're doesn't mean that we're unified as a body of Christ. Okay, Galatians six two, bearing one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So in this command or law of Christ, we're fulfilling like the law of Christ. So. A lot of people are going to be a little bit confused because is this the Old Testament capital L law? No, this is like the law of Christ or the law of love or like the law of the spirit. So the, like the spirit of the law is more what we're talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24, it says, Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Now this is going back to the posture of your heart when you confront someone about their sin. Um, You're not lording it over them. You're working with them for their joy. Now, this is contrasted by Jesus when he talks about the Pharisees. He says, they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with their finger. And that's Matthew 23, 4. And that's just It's a hard picture because you think of just the regular people who have all this hard stuff that's going on and the the very people who are supposed to help them, the Pharisees, are giving them more and making it harder and they won't give them any help or any assistance at all. Where Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Um, So this is contrasted here when John Piper says, that's the main point of the message then. Bear each other's burdens specifically, take on the trouble of helping people realize their sin and get it repaired. If it seems easy for you to help a person bear the burden of sickness or unemployment or the loss of a loved one or loneliness or rejection, but too hard for you to bear the burden of confronting a person because of sin, meditate on this thought. A sinful attitude or a sinful habit is much more harmful to a person than any of those other burdens. Therefore, if we really care about a person's ultimate welfare, we will confront them with their sin as well as comfort them in their trouble. 
Wouldn't it be great to belong to a family of believers who loved each other so much that they simply could not look the other way while a brother or sister hardens into a habit of sin? Let's be that family. If we are not, we do not fulfill the law of Christ. So that's all John Piper there is talking um, in one of his quotes. They have, actually, that's probably a good resource for you. Um, John Piper, his website and everything to do with Bethlehem um, Church there. They have articles on quite a bit of stuff. So it'd be good for you to check it out. Now, and this means that the law of Christ versus the Mosaic law if we, if you are a believer under the new covenant, which we sincerely hope and pray that you are, your job is to follow Christ's law of love, which you'll find summed up in the two main um, laws that he said, but essentially it's love, love for one another. And this is a way that you can do that. to verse 3 it says for if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing he deceives himself here paul is warning those who are doing the restoring against a pride issue coming up in their lives so when you are the one who is in a position of maturity and authority and you are the one who is actually helping to restore this person back into right relationship with the lord and other believers it's very easy to think higher of yourself or to think of yourself as better off, more spiritual, wiser, etc. But Paul is very clearly saying here, okay, yes, you are more spiritually mature and you're doing the restoring, but you need to be very careful that you do not think of yourself more highly than you should. He reminds the Galatians that everybody in the church is nothing. There are those who are more spiritually mature and there are those less spiritually mature and there are those doing the restoring and those being restored. But as believers, we all struggle with sin and we all need Jesus just as much as the next person. And so he is pointing out here that we deceive ourselves when we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We as a people account to a moral zero because of our sinfulness. So it's not just, it's like, because you're the restorer, you're a moral 10 out of 100. No. Like, our righteous acts are like filthy rags before the Lord. We are all a moral zero. Not that we are nothing because Christ has made us um, sons and daughters of God. And we have all of these rights and privileges that come with that position like we're his creation but this is more speaking about like our moral level I guess we're all a zero Matthew Henry wrote a good little piece in his commentary about this verse and I just thought it explained it really well and it resonated with me so I'm going to just share that with you now Um, he says that Paul is warning for those doing the restoring to quote For a man to think himself to be something, to entertain a full opinion of his own sufficiency, to look upon himself as wiser and better than any other men, and as fit to dictate and prescribe to them, when in truth he is nothing, has nothing of substance or solidity in him, or that can be a ground of the confidence and superiority which he assumes. 
I think that just sums it up very nicely. When we think that we're in a position to dictate to somebody or fix their problem or that we have all the answers, we deceive ourselves. We are assuming a place higher than what God has actually given us. He uses us to work in each other's lives, but at the end of the day, it's the Lord who convicts and the Lord who restores because he is the one who forgives and he is the one who paid the price for each of us. I think it's so neat that God chooses to use us um, as being very instrumental in each other's healing. It really, it brings a certain joy when you are able to complete this, I mean, successfully sort of like you couldn't, you're with somebody and the Lord helps you to help them through it. And God chooses to use you. It's like me, like I get to help, like it's exciting and it should be humbling at the exact same time. All right. So looking at Galatians 6 verse 4, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Yeah. I think this really speaks about how we need to hold ourselves accountable. I'm responsible for my actions and I'm responsible for my works. And there is a there is a value placed on works in scripture. I think sometimes we get hung up on the idea that we are saved by faith and not works and by grace and not works. But that doesn't mean that our works are worth nothing to God. They are worth nothing in terms of our salvation, but they are worth something in terms of our calling and what he has asked us to do. And that's the kind of work that Paul is talking about here. He's saying, when you do something for the Lord, you are responsible for that. And you are responsible for holding yourself accountable in that work and for testing it. And if I am not holding myself accountable, I am in absolutely no position to walk someone else back into right relationship with God. If I'm not testing my own works, I cannot test somebody else's. So here, there's some more from the John Piper article. Paul does not say you are all proud and sinful. Therefore, you have no business pointing out one another else's sin. He says, since you all struggle with pride, therefore make every effort to humble yourself when you point out someone else's sin. And here it means in measuring the value of your own achievement, do not take the work of others as your standard of measurement. Don't get puffed up because a brother falls lower than you. It's such a temptation. He says, our pride loves to see people fall when we have stood. Paul says, stop feeding your pride by comparing yourself with those who sin. Don't measure your moral achievements by those of others. Measure them, test them by the laws of Christ. Then whatever there is in you to boast about will not be owing to another's inferiority. Man, like comparison sucks. It's really hard to get out of that, especially now in the social media age, especially now when there's a politician or a celebrity or someone who falls from grace every other day and everybody knows about it. Like, it's easy to point fingers and say, oh, I would never do that. Actually, but for the grace of God, you would. Like, I, there's this one um, teacher, his name is Clayton King, um, that I met at Liberty and just about every time he got up to preach in front of us when he was a campus pastor there, he would say, like, I'm here, but for the grace of God. Like, and I pray he never lets me, like, I pray he never lets me fall into temptation. Like, he is always on guard against what, whatever is in front of him because he knows it's all by God's grace. It's not by his own doing that he stands then or will stand in the future. Um, I was always really impacted by that. 
So Galatians 6 verse 5, for each will have to bear his own load. Um, So we're going to make an analogy here, one that I learned in my psychology of relationships class um, called boulders versus backpacks. So a backpack is the cross we all bear as followers of Christ, things that God calls us each to in our own walks with him. It's like the work he's called us to do. And it's something like it's the it's the work of daily life, daily living. It's like you you have a job, um, but a boulder are those rare issues. So those are sins in your life, illnesses, tragedy, um, like whatever whatever something that's totally out of the norm. So say there is a person in your church who has um, a severe health issue that comes up quickly. That's a boulder that other people need to help them with. But a backpack is something you have to carry yourself. Um, We cannot pass off the work of daily living or backpacks because that's irresponsible and lazy. We also can't accept backpacks of other people um, unless it's for a short time to help them with something else. It's it's a very fine line. The difference between these two things, I think, comes down to boundaries in our lives. When we are assisting each other with boulders, there are no boundaries being inappropriately crossed. But when we try to give other people our backpacks or we try to take on other people's backpacks, there's an emotional boundary that's being crossed there. The only person who can truly help us with our backpacks is Jesus. He is the one we rely on for daily encouragement, strength, the peace that we need. Um, He's the one who takes away our fears. He's the one who has provided salvation for us. And he's the one who guides our steps. He's the one who we go to when we have a need. So when we try to take on each other's backpacks, we are actually stepping into a role that only Jesus is meant to have. And I've experienced this. I've I've had friends before who I have tried to help them with their backpacks when I shouldn't have. And the result of that is just total emotional stress and being drained and not being able to carry my own backpack because I'm so focused on carrying theirs. And that's an issue. However, when you are dealing with like Bethany mentioned, an illness or a tragedy, we are called to help each other with our boulders. When there's somebody in your church who receives a cancer diagnosis and you are making meals for them, you are helping carry their boulder. Even though making meals might be a backpack responsibility in your own life, you're helping them with their boulder by making a meal for them. Everyone in your church has a backpack. It's their life issue. But then think of the people whose names are in the bulletin every week for health issues or people you know who have financial struggles. Picture them all sitting in your church built like your um, sanctuary. You can picture all those people that have those hard things as having giant boulders on their back. And that at that point, your job is to help them to carry it since they cannot carry it themselves. And if that means you help them also carry their backpack because they can't do both, that's what we are called to do. Yeah, I when I was dealing with the mistake of trying to take on some of my friends' backpacks, Galatians 6 verse 2 kept coming back to my head where I was like, well, I'm supposed to bear one another's burdens. And at that point, I was actually talking to Bethany about this and she, she 
shared this analogy of boulders versus backpacks with me. It was something they had talked recently about in one of her classes. And that was a really good distinction for me to make where I could say, yes, like I can help this friend with this one big life event that they are dealing with. But that doesn't mean that I'm responsible for all these little daily things that are their responsibility as a person. So there is definitely a difference there in the types of burdens we help each other with and the things that we carry for each other. Does it mean that you don't pray for people's daily issues? Like if you're having a bad day, it's okay to text your friends and say, hey, I'm having a bad one. Can you pray for me or something? Like that's okay. It's when daily you're putting your emotional issues on other people to deal with when you should be learning how to deal with those. Um, So definitely keep praying for each other. Um, That's important. Just be aware that you are not emotional. You're not responsible for the other person's emotional response. You're only responsible for how you respond to to their issues. Um, Don't take on more than is your responsibility. A good guideline for this is when your relationship with somebody else impairs your relationship with the Lord, that is a red flag and that is a warning sign that your relationship with that person is unhealthy. When we help people with their backpacks on a consistent basis, we are not really helping them. We are enabling them. And what I had to learn um, in these friendships I had was that I had been helping them to the extent that I was actually not making it possible for the Lord to help them. So I was putting, I was allowing myself to be put in a position of reliance and dependence so that these people no longer needed to turn to the Lord because I was doing everything for them. I was the encouragement they needed. I was the strength that they needed. I was the, and I didn't do a good job at it. I, I didn't come close to the way that the Lord supports each of us individually as we walk with him. And I was actually standing in the way of these people having a healthy relationship with the Lord because I was allowing myself to be a constant strength for them, which was so draining. We are not meant to be that for each other. And so when you find yourself being drained, you find yourself having no emotional strength for other people in your life. And I was finding my relationship with the Lord strained. And at the same time, I thought I was doing the right thing. This Galatians 6.2 kept coming into my head. I was like, well, I'm trying to bear their burdens. But we need to bear each other's boulders, not each other's backpacks. And that's a really good reminder for me. sum this all up. For this to work, to be able to carry each other's burdens, you have to know what each other's burdens are. So you have to be living in community. Um, And this can be difficult for some people for a multitude of reasons, but having good, a good core solid friend group. So Emily and I are both blessed to have a good core solid friend group here where we live um, and we get together quite often. In fact, we're getting Taylor tonight um, and we're 
I just enjoy the fact that if something is big in our life, we're able to share and everybody else will pray for them in that issue. Um, I would also say that our adult Sunday school group at church, um, we pray for each other's burdens. We care about each other. It's a good time to um, catch up about people's weeks and see if there's anything that you need to do. And when there is a boulder that happens, that group steps up like extra prayer meetings and gas cards and making meals and prayer and showing up and just doing anything that they can to be the hands and feet of Christ to the members of the body. And I feel so blessed to be in a community like that. So find yourself some good, solid people. This might be a whole new episode about having good Christian friends and how to be a good Christian friend. Um, But like, really seek that out. If you don't have anyone around you, ask the Lord to show you if there's anything in your life that he'd like you to change. And then if there's anybody else in your life that he wants you to pour into and be friends with and just ask him for that. I remember doing that when I was in grade seven, just asking the Lord for a friend. Um, And the very next year, well, actually that year he blessed me with a good school friend. And the very next year, um, Emily came to our church and there's just a lot of other people that came into my life during that time. So ask. He loves you and he wants you to be able to fulfill this law of love by loving each other. And it's just, it's neat to be in lifelong relationship with people. Like just, I know my mom has been best friends with a couple people, a couple women in her life. And just to see them going through life and living this out is a real encouragement to me and then my friend group as well. So with that, we are going to jump into our question of the week. So our question of the week today is, what stereotype do you live up to? I am the classic teacher's pet. You can ask any of my high school teachers, most of them. I, like, I was such a teacher's pet. Like, I talked to the teachers more than the other students. Like, I wanted to help. I stayed after class. I, like, washed things. I, like, scrubbed off chalkboards. Um... <coughs> Like, I babysat for teachers, which is great because I made money and it was fine. Um, But then that moved into (laughs) the ultimate teacher's pet thing. I lived in the attic apartment of one of my Bible professors and his family for two years. (laughs) Um, But um, on a more serious note, maybe, I've seen this teacher pet, teacher's pet, or wanting to be the teacher's favorite attitude come out in my life in regards to God, where I want to be his favorite. And, like, I feel like I want to have a special relationship with him, like, that's different than other people, and somehow mine is better. And, like, I think that women's ministry, like, has a bit of a hand in that, but it's definitely one of my, um, I don't know, go-to personas, per se. I just, I like learning, and I like being in front of people, and I like talking to the people who are teaching me. Uh, a stereotype I've lived up to, I think, is... Um, being the oldest and like being an older sister. I can relate to that. Um, Bethany and I both have two younger brothers, so she understands this as well. But I was just definitely like pretty bossy as a kid. However, my brothers like wouldn't put up with it too much. Um, my one brother would just walk away when I got too annoying and my other brother would, he would be bossed around. He was used to being bossed around, so he would put up with it a bit more. But still, like, he would get upset with me if I pushed it too far. And, like, my mom often had to remind me, like, Emily, you're not the mother. And, you know, all that sort of thing. When we played, like, family games. Like, you know those ones where you play with your dolls and you're, like, and, like, I was the mom. I don't remember playing house too much. But when we were all older, we, my parents fostered. 
um, kids for years. And our very last foster child, she was six years old, I think. And I remember her, like all of us kids were grown up. I was in college. My brothers were like in high school or finishing high school. So she didn't have anybody to play house with. And so when she played house, she was the mom and our dog Toby was the dad. (laughs) She would get in trouble because she would like lock him in her fort because he was home from work. So when he would like wander into the area she was playing in, she would like lock him in there and keep him in there. My mom had to be like, okay, you can't leave him in there. He has to be let out. And she would be all sad. And, you know, she would like put necklaces and purses on him and stuff. (laughs) That's so cute. And then when she had to let him out, because mom said she would let him out and go, okay, you're going to work. Have a nice day. (laughs) And so he got to do whatever he wanted and she just went along with it. So that was kind of fun to watch. That's adorable. Yeah, it was pretty cute. But yeah, I don't think we played house too much, probably because I would be bossy and tell them what to do a little too much yeah well you've been listening to renew theology i'm bethany and i'm emily thanks for listening so much you can get in contact with us on facebook at renew theology podcast on instagram at renew theology you were on um, google you can email us at renew theology at gmail.com um we are on spotify we are on apple podcasts we would so appreciate if you would rate our podcast on apple podcast and leave us a review um i love reading reviews like it's really neat to see what our um listeners are where they're from what they think of us um you can message us if you have any questions or just want to talk or have any thoughts we would be so thrilled about that um please feel free to share this podcast with any millennial women in your life or anyone else who thinks might benefit from it Um, we would love to get this podcast to as many ears as possible all to god's glory Thanks for listening.